Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call, did write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of King COVID-19 to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the base rate fallacy, also known as base rate neglect. So the base rate fallacy is another statistical fallacy. We talked about one a couple Mm. of weeks ago and we actually touched on this back in episode 48, uh, which was the No True Scotsman episode. During our Is Not a Logical Fallacy section, we talked about antibody tests and why they maybe aren't the best metric for seeing whether you can open up or not. And it's because when you look at those or or the way that they were possibly being looked at, Mm -hmm. it's difficult to tell what the real story is without the full context, without having, in that case, the base rate of how many people actually have it in the population. You don't know, yeah. you know, you know how accurate a single test might be, but you don't know how likely that is to, to tell you whether an individual person has it or not. <laughs> right. Okay. So to, yep. to try and decomplicate that a little bit, you can go back and listen to episode 48. But imagine if yep. a, a test is 99% accurate. So there's a 1% false positive rate if someone doesn't have a disease. And there's a 1% false negative rate if someone does have the disease. So 99% of the time, it will give you an accurate reading. So if someone tests positive, our natural intuition is to assume, well, there's a 99% chance they've got that disease. That makes total sense to us. But we are neglecting the base rate. And the base rate, in that case, is how common is that disease? What's the prior plausibility of someone just at random having that disease in the population? Right. So if, in our mathematical example, if that is a 1% chance, if 1% of the total population have a disease, let's say it's a genetic disease and we know that it affects 1% of the population. Mm -hmm. In a town of 10,000 people, that means 100 of them have the disease, probably. And um, if you test all those people, 99 of them will test positive because it's 99% accurate. However... Of the 9,900 people who don't have the disease, 1% of them will also test positive. As a false negative. Yeah, as a false negative. And that 1% of 9,900 is also 99. So you've got 198 who have tested positive, 99 of whom are actually positive. (laughs) Right. So actually, the the chance is that... any end of those individuals has it is 50%, which is a bit counterintuitive. Right. So, yes, because the, 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 the intuition is, well, 99% have got it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and when you're talking about even rarer diseases that maybe, you know, 0.01% of people have, the test has to be incredibly accurate for you to be able to say, having tested someone, yeah, there's a good chance you've actually got this. Um, and that tends to be why they do multiple tests, because one, when you multiply those probabilities together, the chances of getting two false positives in the same person become smaller. So it reduces that 50-50, right? Yeah. 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 So we haven't gone to Trump yet, but <laughs> the, <laughs> I felt that was important to give you a sense of what the base rate of that particular scenario is. And that's the most common example that you'll find if you look up the base rate fallacy is, is it's uh, used to, to talk about testing rates for diseases and things like that. Mm. Um, in general, it's used to talk about where people have tried to use a statistic to make a point, but they are ignoring... Um, a, the prior plausibility of one aspect of their statistic. They're, they're ignoring right. an aspect of it that you really need to know to put it in context. So it's a kind, it's a kind of a cherry-picking, well, in a way, if you're deliberately doing it. If you're deliberately doing it, yes. It's a, it's a way of presenting evidence that may be completely true, but gives a very distorted picture yeah. of reality you might be using totally accurate numbers but not actually giving the the true idea of what's going on so our first example is from when trump was asked this by a reporter why are african americans still dying at the hands of law enforcement in this country and so are white people so are white people what a terrible question to ask so are white people more white people by the way more white people it's a weird flex isn't it Hey, we kill white people too. Yeah, more of them. Actually, we, yeah, we don't just kill black people. How yeah. dare you? Yeah, um, <laughs> we kill a lot more white people. Get your facts right. Yeah. So that's yeah, a distorted view of white of all lives matter. Isn't it? All deaths matter. Yeah. Te technically, that is true. More white right. people are killed by police than black people, yep. but. That ignores the the base rate, the likelihood of a random individual being white, which right. is a lot higher in the US than the likelihood that they will be black. So because there are more white people, the fact that more white people are killed by police isn't that surprising. Yeah. So you've got to actually do a bit of maths. And, and when you do a bit of maths, you find out that actually black people are about three to four times more likely to be killed by police than white people. Not because three and a half times more, more of them are, but yeah. as a proportion of how many black people there are in the US. Yeah. And when you look at men ages 15 to 34, which is a higher crime demographic when you look at mm -hmm. the proportion of those who are black they are nine times more likely than wow. uh, white men ages 15 to 34 to be killed by police so wow. it it really depends on how you present the evidence but yeah. saying it's just you know raw numbers more white people are killed by police than black people gives a very distorted picture of what's actually going on mm. so our second example from trump is uh, when he was talking, actually this was just a couple of days ago, mm -hmm. when he was talking about, uh, he was in Texas and saying how great Ted Cruz was, because, you know, they're great friends, Trump and Ted Cruz. Um, yeah. 
And he was boasting about his uh, the amount of money that the Trump administration has put into the U.S. military. Ted Cruz, John Cornyn, and our Senate and our House approved $2.5 trillion to rebuild entirely the United States military. It's now at a point that it's the strongest it's ever been. A lot of the equipment is still coming in brand new planes and missiles and everything you can think of. And I want to thank you, Ted. You were one of the real leaders. And John, too, the two of you. I appreciate it very much. You were well represented. We have the greatest equipment on Earth. We have equipment that I can't even tell you about. You don't want to know about it, frankly. And hopefully, we never have to use it. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, technically, the raw figure there of $2.5 trillion dollars Yep. is is not completely inaccurate it is it is the total of the of money that's been put into defense spending from 2017 to 2020 right. uh, fiscal year 2017 to 2020 yep. if you adjust that for inflation so the 2017 numbers come up to 2020 numbers mm-hmm. it's actually about 2.9 trillion that's how much the trump administration has in, has spent on defense so that right. doesn't mean they've invested that in completely rebuilding the military, because no. a lot of that has gone into building a wall, isn't it? Well, some of it, yeah, some of it did, yeah. but a lot of it has gone into obviously paying the wages of soldiers and people right. in the navy and all that yeah. kind of things, and maintaining that existing massive, equipment. That and, massive ten percent pay rise that he didn't yeah, give them. That one. Yeah, yeah. So actually, it's a much smaller amount that's gone into new things and almost none of those new things exist yet because it actually mm-hmm. takes ages when you invest in a new thing for the military for it to be made you know because it's yeah. a ship oh, yeah. or a plane yeah. or guns or something they don't just like oh can we have 100 guns yeah shop and buy some it's not yeah. how that works if it's new yeah <laughs> but if they're totally rebuilding <laughs> yeah. then the the implication is it's not old stuff yeah they're not just going to walmart and buying it Absolutely. And the other implication, I think, that, that is made by saying that is that that's a lot of money. Hmm. That that seems to be what he's he's saying is, you know, we have done this. Our, our military is stronger than it's ever been because we have invested this amount. The The base rate that he is not talking about and that we need to know to figure out whether that is a large amount of money is how much do they usually spend on it? Hmm. And you'll remember that when he came into office... The military was totally depleted. They didn't have anything. They didn't even have any no. ammunition, one of his generals told him. Um, right, yeah, yeah. Well, so probably probably preface that with sir. Yeah. Sir, we don't even have any ammunition. Absolutely. Yeah. Big man, tears yeah. in his eyes. Yeah. Yeah, so in 2020 numbers, in Obama's second term, they spent $2.74 trillion on the military. So almost exactly the same. The same, yeah. And in Obama's first term, they spent $3.3 trillion. Wow. So, okay, and yet they had none. Where did no. where did it all go? Uh, yeah, where, just did lost they it use it all up? Again. In, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> lost it. Left it in the yard at, at um, uh, Bin Laden's place. Just, yeah, just left it all there. And yeah. even if you don't adjust for inflation, Trump has never spent as much in a single year as Obama spent in 2010. Wow. That's the the biggest defense spending year, I think, in history in raw figures. 
probably not adjusted yeah. for inflation. In fact, definitely not adjusted for inflation because if you do that, it was 2008, I think. So, yeah, yeah it's uh, it, once you try and put it in context, once you look at, OK, how does that actually stack up against what we would expect to see if it wasn't Trump, if it was just, you know, a, a, any given year, what would you see? And it's, mm. yeah, meh. Really, it's nothing. It's nothing yeah. special. Yeah. It's nothing to boast about. Just the same as it ever was. Uh-huh. Yeah, and actually, the you know, because he he's always touting the fact that the Republican Party is the party of law and order, and you know, invest in the military. Turns out the Democrats are much bigger investors. Apparently, yeah. You know, which which is also a little bit sad, but <laughs> yeah, but wow. So yeah, it kind of glosses over that because. And just bigs up the number a bit like that th- that speech when he said I gave you they said I couldn't give you more than five percent and I gave you ten percent, <laughs> which and he did. Turned out yeah. he didn't. It, they just got yeah. what they normally get. But they all cheered. Yeah, the people that were being duped. Yeah, yeah. And this is very very common. It's not by any means only Trump who does this. There are lots mm-hmm. lots of um, you know it's it is just how people choose to display numbers that look best for them it's it's yeah. usually by taking it out of context and ignoring something which actually gives you a much uh, better picture of what's going on if you see someone who is giving you numbers and putting them in context there's a better chance that they're telling the truth about what they're saying yeah and now is the time i think for mark's british politics corner this week's example is to just to show that no island is an island despite what boris may think about leaving the eu his actions have consequences. He recently did this. If they're coming back from a place where I'm afraid there is another outbreak, they must go into, into quarantine. And that's why we've taken uh, the action that we have. And we will continue uh, throughout the summer to take such action where it is necessary. So basically what's happened is that uh, Spain has been taken off the list of no need for a quarantine when you come back from um, put out by the Foreign Office. And the Prime Minister, so he's a bit Britpolidate adjacent this week because the, the Spanish Prime Minister, Pedro Sanchez, you couldn't really get a more Spanish name <laughs> than that, really, could you? Pedro Sanchez. It's like is, J.K. Rowling was coming up with a Spanish character. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. Pedro Sanchez, I wonder what, what accent he's going to have. Yeah, Pedro Sanchez. Spain's prime minister, so he's he he is has spoken out about this quarantine being reimposed on travellers from Spain to the UK, and here's the clip. And I'm I'm doing he's speaking in Spanish, so I've done a, a translation as we go. The error in my judgment is the disproportionate action that the UK is taking is to contemplate the total accumulated incidences of COVID-19 as if they were the country as a whole. Why, when the 64.5% of the new cases of the newly infected are focused in two territories? In the great majority of the Spanish territory, it's very, very low, in fact, lower than that in the UK. Particularly if we keep to epidemiological data of the Spanish territory, and in particular certain tourist destinations of the country, like, for example, the Canary and Balearic Islands of Valencia and Andalusian regions, which I insist have a totally accumulated level of virus that is lower than that which is being registered in the UK. In the epidemiological terms, it could be safer to be in these territories than it could be to be in the UK. So he's doing several things there with, with the numbers. He's saying um, so that the UK are 
fallacious in applying the numbers that they are in, in saying that the number of new cases in Spain apply to the whole of Spain and that's why they have imposed the quarantine. And what Sanchez is saying is that they haven't risen like that in the totality of Spain, only in a couple of the regions. Many of the uh, highly popular tourist destinations, the figures haven't gone up at all, you know, hardly at all. Um, so he's making that point and you know, shoves in 64.5% just for the hell of it in there. Um, and he also has a quick dig at the UK, which is to, to say that the infection rate in those areas, the ones where the um, the 64.5% of the areas that are being um, touted as being in, in more infectious, the other, whatever that would be, 20... <laughs> 30, 35.5% aren't that at all. And in fact, in those areas, the infection rate is lower than it is in the UK. So he's making the point that the UK is giving the impression from the figures that there's a uniform increase across the country, whereas it's a different story if you look at the data more closely, if you look at the epidemiological data. So not only is he stripping out the numbers, he's just saying if you just look at this data of the numbers, you'll see it's much better than the UK. So he's kind of doing cherry picking amongst the numbers. And it actually, in a way, Germany agrees with him because they have only advised against traveling to the affected areas, which are Catalonia, Navarre and Aragon, which has got Zaragoza and Pamplona and Barcelona in, as their major cities. Uh, tourist destinations admittedly where the numbers ballooned last week but don't restrict travel to the islands that he talked about but maybe, maybe germans are just better behaved and so if you if you say you these are the places you can go to those are the places that the exactly. germans will actually go to because generally when you fly somewhere you don't necessarily fly directly to that city you fly yeah. to a cheap one you can get a flight to and so, then travel and then you go to where you're yes, ending exactly. up. Yeah, so, yeah. so I think there's a very the big danger if Brits were just allowed to go anywhere they wanted or, you know, well, told well, not to go to specific towns or, or areas, yeah, then, then they, they would just, just think, oh, well, it's all right, I can just fly to a different bit and then take yeah. a bus. What, you so, mean like, say, for instance, Boris Johnson's yeah. father? Yeah. Or, Who? yeah, or, or say if, you know, say you wanted to just check your eyesight and you wanted to hire a car yeah. and drive from, yeah, drive you know, through. Milan to Barcelona. That's a yeah. long way, shit. It's a, but, yeah. Yeah, you know. You, know, you would really <laughs> know whether you could see or not. You definitely well, would. Well, yeah, quite, yeah. And in fact, the UK Health Minister, Lord Bethel, told the House of Lords pretty much that. He says, you know, it's um, we've not been able to give exemptions to the Balearics um, because there's no way for us to control intra-country transport. So he's kind of laying it at the feet of the um, the Spanish, saying we can't. But basically, he's saying if we set, send Brits over there, they're going to go all over the place. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. And also, the other thing is that the Bahamas and Luxembourg have much higher infection rates than Spain, but they're not on the quarantine list. Um, but they do have a lower tourism numbers. So in a way, you can see Sanchez's point because new cases in um, 
Spain on the 29th of July were 2,031. In the UK, there were 581. However, deaths in the UK were 119, and in Spain was five. So, and you kind of think, okay, well, what would Boris's reaction be if the lockdown and restrictions that were reimposed today in Manchester, Yorkshire and Lancashire, and that have already been imposed in Leicester, Bradford and Oldham, because of the recent rises in case numbers, were being applied to the whole of the UK. But what he's doing also, I think, is actually getting us to not look at the current figures. He's doing a kind of reverse base rate fallacy. He's saying, ignore the current figures. Look at the last month, which was very low. <laughs> um, and and that will be why their current deaths are quite low. Yes. Because it's, because with the, with the spike in figures people this infected month. back then. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And, and because appealing to the base rate in that way is exactly the wrong thing to do with the pandemic because it, the fact that it's low, it was all low at the beginning, you know, at one point that we had one death and now we've got, you know, nearly 50,000, well, over 50,000. Yeah, it will go yeah. up. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not a fallacy to make a snap judgment on the basis of the current set of numbers and ignoring the base rate. Well, no, it would be. <laughs> it would be, but the base oh, rate yeah. isn't necessarily last month's rate. You know, the the base yeah. rate, for example, in this case, might be the average across all of the countries that people can go to. <laughs> yeah. um, and and therefore yeah. you decide the ones that are way higher than the average don't go there. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be a thing to look at. Whereas if you just look at the raw numbers or you look at last month's or this month's or whatever, that doesn't necessarily give you all the information you need. And yeah, absolutely. Or you, if if or you, you or you do what he's what he's um, uh, advocating is that you don't don't look at the yeah, don't look at don't, yeah. don't look at those look look at the numbers look don't at look at numbers not, look, yeah, yeah. <laughs> look at where it, look at where it's not gone up yeah that's just weird but yeah looking if you look at different countries and and just say well this is their kind of their percentage if you don't compare that to the UK's percentage mm. um then you're not getting good information because it's yeah. it's harmful for them if we go there if our percentages are way higher yeah. um, and harmful for us to go there if their percentages are way higher. So depending on which way you want to decide that it's going to be harmful, um, yeah. you need both bits of information. You need, you, need the, or you need the context for your statistics. And I think there was, there was a, a recent report that I was looking at as well on Sky News, which opened with the news reports of the latest outbreaks. So, uh, and they were in Vietnam and Hong Kong and possibly Germany, I think. But then they said, you know, but behind the headlines, let's actually have a look at the real numbers. So the one in Vietnam was one. It was one new case. And they just went <laughs> and squashed it. Whereas Hong Kong, there were thousands of new cases. So yeah. it was... But the news coverage was the same. Absolutely. Saying, you know, the new cases the in Vietnam. Yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. And you can you can tell just by the even on the even on the BBC site that when you get to the bottom and it has the headlines of 
you know, so where else is affected, the language that it uses, you know, uh, when there's a suspicious use of a percentage, you kind of think, oh, actually, why aren't they just giving us the numbers? Because it's a bit like something when, you know, the number of cases had doubled. And you think, oh, my God, that's enormous. But if they'd gone from one to two, yeah, you know, they've doubled. That's spookily prescient of what we're about yeah. to discuss in Fantasy in the Wild. Maybe I didn't argue Quite as robustly as I could have Maybe I drew on logic That I really ought to shut have If I made you have to second guess World I was out my tiny mind It's a fallacy in the wild It's a fallacy in the wild Have Willie Nelson there with um, you're always on my mind, which I think is an appeal to the ba- it's the base rate fallacy because you know don't listen to the fact that I haven't rung you up or looked after you or <laughs> or held you when I, I needed to. Uh-huh. I, you were always on my mind. Let's go go back. Just ignore that. Go back to the fact that I was always on. You were always on my mind. Just ignore the rest of the maltreatment, <laughs> and uh, you were always on my mind. There you go. Okay. Well, that was lovely. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so our first example in the Fantasy of the Wild this week, where we like to talk about the Fantasy of the Week from a non-political perspective, is the um, 1995 scare in the UK over contraceptive oh. pills. Yep. Which um, basically came from a study which showed that the third generation pills that had just come out were potentially more dangerous in a specific way than the previous generation, the second generation mm. pills. And what they were looking at was was blood clots, basically. It was a, a thing called venous thrombembolism, or VTE, which uh, essentially is a blood clot in the deep deep veins of the leg and pelvis. These days, I think it's probably just called deep vein thrombosis. Hello, listeners. Jim from the future here. Just because Jim from the past didn't do enough research before deciding to talk about deep vein thrombosis, VTE, or venous thromboembolism, is when you have DVT, deep vein thrombosis, and then the blood clot travels to your lungs and becomes a pulmonary embolism. So they're related terms. Venous thromboembolism includes a blood clot in the lungs as well. Back to Jim from the past. It is one of the potential side effects of the kinds of um, contraceptive pills that were being used in the UK at the time. And the uh, Committee for the Safety of Medicines put out a, um, a kind of alert, essentially, saying that um, people who are using the third generation are twice as likely to develop VTE as women who used older forms of the same pill. So mm, yep. people stopped using those ones <laughs> because that's <laughs> yep. scary. 
And there are various reports over the ensuing few years of the amount of money that this ultimately cost in increased health care. They say that abortion rose by 9% in 1996, and they think that this was probably the reason. Um, There was, you know, a, a significant impact that this had. And the thing is, the incidence, first of all, of, of having VTE just in healthy women not taking a contraceptive is about five cases per 100,000 women per year. Um, the incidence in people taking the second generation pills was about 15 per 100,000. Mm. So it was an increase, significant, mm-hmm. three times as bad. And the incidence in users of third generation pills is about 25 per 100,000. So right. the bit that isn't related to just anyone having a risk was was essentially 10 per 100,000 and it went up to 20 per 100,000 with the different pill. That is twice as many. And if you say your risk has doubled, it sounds bad, but 20 yep. per 100,000 is still really low. And the most important thing that they neglected to tell anyone was that in pregnancy, your risk goes up to 60 per 100,000. Oh, wow. So... If you don't take the contraceptive pills because you're yep. worried about this risk and get pregnant, you're you're a much higher well not still not much higher risk. It's it's three times higher, but it's still a very low risk. So, yep. without having that context of actually this is this is a possible side effect, but it's very very unlikely. They they didn't yeah. give people the, the right information or the useful information that they could have used to, to basically make the decision of whether that was a risk that they were prepared to take or not, or the understanding that if they didn't take the pills, they were risking it if they got pregnant as well. Yeah, yeah. so to just take the number and look at it, and on the face of it, say, yes, f- five out of... What was it? One hundred thousand people. Yeah, that's that's the absolute to up to twenty-five. Yeah, yeah, up to twenty-five is an increase of yeah, a substantial percentage increase, which looks terrifying. Yeah. But it's twenty-five out of a hundred thousand. So there are a hundred thousand less twenty-five people who are not going to get it. Absolutely. Which yeah, is which is enormous in, in terms of yeah. side effects is actually very small risk because yeah, you know that every drug has side effects of various kinds and often they are quite bad and they're often much more common than that. Um, and so yeah, it's trying to evaluate your risk in something mm. requires you to look at the base rate. It requires you to figure out actually how much more dangerous is this than if I didn't do it and. Overall, how dangerous is that as a whole? Yeah. Not yeah. just how how much have I increased my risk? So our second example is from a Canadian show called Letterkenny, which I highly recommend if you haven't seen it. It's it's kind of, I don't think it's very well known. I heard about it on the um, Cognitive Dissonance podcast, uh, Cease right. Fan, and it's very good. In this episode, Wayne and his girlfriend, Marie Fred, are talking about a person who a friend of theirs saw at in an airport urinal using his iPad at the urinal and trying to figure out why, what was so urgent that he couldn't put it down and wait until after he'd taken a piss. To be at the airport, at the urinal, on your iPad, with your dick out, there's got to be more at stake than a missed flight. Have you ever missed a flight? No. Me neither. Okay. Bet it sucks, though. Still, airport, iPad, urinal, dick out. 
Like, let's get real here. You get real. You get real. The dude's important. Or he's got someone really important to answer to if his iPad were, I couldn't wait till after he rocked one. Big time. What's he putting into the iPad is what I want to know. Will help? Will help. I want to know what he's putting in the iPad. I can tell you what he's putting in the iPad. Here's what he's putting in the iPad. The codes. The codes? Those codes. That's the thing that could be so urgent. That's the one thing that could be so urgent. What a goof. To be at the airport, at the urinal, with your iPad, your dick out. Silly. This nutsack is one in a chain of commanding political figures with access to the codes to greenlight a nuclear strike. That's who he is. And he had to get his portion of the codes in immediately so that the warheads could take flight. Why is he firing a warhead? Well, someone would have had to fire a warhead first, right? You know, if I'm that dude at the airport, my dick out working on my iPad. I mean, the whole fucking world's at stake. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is how QAnon <laughs> does their, their conspiracy creation. So wow. what, what Wayne is failing to take into account here is the prior plausibility of some aspects of his theory. He has decided that the only... Um, urgent yep. thing that you could possibly be doing in in the airport at the urinal using the iPad with your dick out is to be putting in the nuclear codes to, to launch missiles. Yeah. Um, the yeah. yeah. Um, he's ignoring the, the likelihood that there has been a missile attack that nobody heard about. Um, yeah. And also that of of all of the people that one of the four people who has access to the codes and is in the chain of command was was that random person that they saw at the urinal. So that's that's a very low probability. It's a, there's a very low probability that that the missile attack happened and no one heard anything about it. There's yeah. there's a high probability that there's other urgent things that he hasn't considered. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or um, even other non-urgent things. Yeah, he's not considered even yeah. below that. Yeah, he's, just, I mean, he's made. Yeah, he's, he's made it about you know what else he's other than yeah. an urgent thing. He's ignored the possibility that this person may have a very different sense of how urgent it needs to be to use your iPad at the urinal. So, yeah, there's there's lots of other bits of probability that you need to factor in, um, yeah. and and like with the the medical test thing that we were talking about, there is a theorem that works with this fallacy, the base, base rate fallacy called Bayes' theorem, mm -hmm. where you can actually plug in numbers of how likely things are with right. kind of the, the prior plausibility of them before you have information, and then the the likelihood of that information being true and, and come out with the likelihood of your theory being true. It's brilliant. I'll put a, a link to it in the show notes. Um, and it is... It's, it's not one of those kind of made up for PR type equations, like mm. you know the, the most depressing Monday in the year or something like that. It's yeah, yeah. it's it's a genuine thing that they they use to work out how likely they are to be right about something in science and in maths and stuff by looking at the probabilities. And sometimes you have to estimate one or one or more of the probabilities, but it gives you a better sense. And and Wayne hasn't done any of that. <laughs> no. Because and the thing about the Bayes theorem is that it forces you to consider the probability and the fact that it's only a probability. Absolutely. Yeah. And how how probable is it? Is it infinitely improbable, <laughs> or is it or is it highly probable? So you're kind of working between those two extremes, and you've got to put a number to it in order for it to work out the whole thing. So it makes it forces you to think about other possibilities. <laughs> Other than the fact that it's, you know, 
He's one. Of, he's one of the guys with the codes. Yeah. Yeah. Retaliating <laughs> to a missile strike that nobody knew about. Yeah. So our final example in this section is from the British panel game QI. What is three times more dangerous than war? <laughs> three wars. <laughs> <laughs> is it doing a UE on the A40? <laughs> this is probably the United Nations. Is it, it's probably something really inane, like cycling, trampolining. It's work. More likely to die at work than you are at war. Does that include soldiers? <laughs> <laughs> what if you work in a shoe shop near a war? <laughs> you would guarantee you will find some cunning way to make me not know anything. And I don't know. <laughs> What the statistics are for people who work in shoe shops near wars? <laughs> well, now, yes. According to the United Nations, more than two million people die from work-related accidents, as opposed to 650,000 people a year who die in wars. <laughs> so, some, some good questions, I think, asked by the panel there. <laughs> yeah. does, does that include yeah. soldiers? Good. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's very good. Yeah. And, and what people if, who work near a war. Yeah, why you yeah. work in a shoe shop near a war? So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. maybe think but, of Syria for some reason. That, yeah. yeah, but fundamentally, yeah, the, the the fact is more people just go to work than are in a war <laughs> around the world yeah. generally. Yeah. So it's it's completely unsurprising that more people die at work than in a war. It kind of it, when you first hear it, it sounds a little bit surprising because you know war is dangerous and work yeah. shouldn't be dangerous, um, yeah. generally speaking, but. The sheer volume of people who work around the world is yeah. is in the billions, whereas there aren't billions of people constantly at war. So yeah. when you factor those things in, it becomes actually, yeah, it makes sense. It's, and it, it's the fact that it's only actually three times as many people dying at work possibly is even a surprise in a way. Yeah. Well, given, given, given the kind of – it's kind of counterintuitive, which kind of leads to the – uh, the comedy mm. value and the surprise aspect and you know the glossing over the fact that the statistics have been chosen just to to show that with no reference to the base rate at all yeah. but the intuition is a lot of people have died in wars <laughs> yeah absolutely you know not just every yeah. year you know how many years are you averaging that over yeah. are you averaging that over you know, how many years have people been at work you know, and the thing that... is, you you hear these kinds of statistics all the time. It's like the most likely place to get into an accident, and if if you're in a car, is like a mile from your house. Mm -hmm. That and that's because a lot of people do a lot of short journeys. Yeah, you know, that that's basically it. When of all of your journeys, you probably spend quite a significant amount of that a mile from your house. Because if you're just travelling a mile and a half. That's that sixty six percent of your journey time is within that mile radius, um, and yeah, there are going to be times when you travel further. But of all of the short journeys that people do, that really adds up. The other one is the old thing about you know you're more likely to be killed by a vending machine than by a shark, which mm. used to be true, um, right. in in the sense that. Um, more people interact with vending machines on a daily basis than sharks. It, yeah. it, it's also very much true of men, or was true of men. Children and women are hardly ever killed by vending machines because the people that get right. killed by vending machines are people who've got a bit annoyed that their Oreo cookies haven't come out and they've pulled the machine over on them. Yeah, 
yeah. thing is, since the 90s, they've put signs on vending machines saying this could tip and kill you. And they've bolted them to the floor and the wall so that that doesn't right. happen. Does so happen. these days, hardly oh, right. anyone's killed by vending machines. And in fact, more people now are killed by sharks than by vending sharks. machines, as far as we can tell, because there aren't the, the numbers aren't that closely kept. But um, yeah, it certainly used to be true, though. I thought you were going to say that the uh, the signs they put on the vending machines were, you know, look out, shark, dangerous. Behind. Yeah, well, <laughs> these these are more dangerous than sharks. Yeah. Be careful. But yeah. I mean, yeah, if you're in the middle of Oklahoma, then you're gonna you're more likely to come across a vending machine than a shark. Than a shark. Um, yeah. If you are an Australian surfer, maybe your risk goes up of being yep. killed by a shark, but yep. still not hugely. Having been to Shark Bay in Australia, I can vouch for the fact that there are both sharks and vending machines. Well, in one of the most dangerous places in the world, then. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you think, oh, my God, I don't know where, which way to turn. Yeah. I'm going to drive away, and I was living <laughs> less than a mile from the place. Oh, so God. that was factored like a in. a death trap. It was... Imagine I, the insurance I'm, payments. I'm amazed, amazed I got out alive. Before we move on to fake news this week, there's just time to talk about the winner of our Fire Swamp competition. Fire Swamp which, uh, yeah. to be honest, because actually relatively few people have been fired this year, um, yeah. I'd, I'd almost forgotten about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind <laughs> and, of the headlines and, have been filled up with other things. Really. Yeah, yeah. Our, our Facebook group last year was like every other week it was, oh, another one's gone you know more points for someone on the board yeah. but yeah it's it literally this six months four people from our our kind of ranked top 50 people in the administration have only been fired four. only four which yep. is pretty amazing and that's you know i think that it's there there have been a few other people on the periphery who've gone and brad pascal for example who just got fired yeah he he didn't count because he was a campaign person rather than a administration yeah, person. Yeah, so, yeah. so there's a few people like that who've gone. But, but yeah, in the administration, only four. Um, and so, that means that the winner, by quite a long way, actually, yeah, <laughs> by quite a few a points, long way, an is... infinite, infinitely larger amount than me. I've yeah. got a percentage. I got <laughs> zero this time. Uh -huh. Nobody, none whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. So the winner is. Uh, one of our longest-standing patrons, Hugh Randolph. Yay! Well done, Hugh. And a massive score. Well done, Hugh. Yeah. Did he get all so, four? He got three out of four, wow. which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, Does he know? And, uh, it, no. He must. You know what? I think he is Q. He's, it's possible. He's got insight. Yeah. yeah. It's either him or Andrew. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, so well done, Hugh. Uh, we'll we'll get in touch with you to to sort out getting you some prizes. Yep. So we're we're not going to run it again because we'll just wait for Biden's administration and then we'll do it for that. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody, as well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news. The game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. Uh, before we go on, because last week's win, me getting the right one out of three, or 30%, if you will, shows an unfair dip from the previous 44%, which again leads me to conclude that this entire thing is rigged. Yeah, could be. <laughs> so, 
you currently have 24 out of 54. Um, so you're you're playing for 25 out of 55, which is a nice round number. That Although weirdly, really nice. kind of uh, the percentage is is 45.454545 recurring. So wow, doesn't it? Yeah, wow. So I would have thought it would be a nicer percentage than that, but there you go. Yeah, uh, there you go. That'd so uh, the theme this week is about. Uh, Trump just being really knowledgeable about everything because of how much oh, okay. research and reading he does and how he knows all of a lot he of stuff. He does read a lot. He, yeah, he he's a big reader. Okay. So the first one is, yep. I can only say what I know, and that's based on reading a lot and knowing a lot, and I read all of the medical, all of them, and as far as I can tell, it's good. There's some people that say it's not good, but I've seen many good. We do know that it's safe because, well, you know that as well as anybody. I don't have to tell you. But the impact that it could have, especially in the early years, is you don't have anything to lose. And the reason I think that people don't like it is because I recommend it. Yeah, and also because you're an idiot. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. Stat- statement number two. Right. Yeah. I read a lot. They like to say I don't read. I read a lot. I comprehend extraordinarily well, probably better than anybody you've interviewed in a long time. I read a lot. I spend a lot yeah. of time with at meetings. Usually it's once a day or at least two or three times a week, intelligence briefs, talking about India, talking about the problems with China, talking about so many different elements of the world. The world is a very angry place if you look all over the world. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he went from reading to talking there. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And okay. statement number three. They say if you're heavy, so I say thank goodness I'm in perfect shape, thank goodness, but if you're heavy, it's not good. It's a it's a brutal, brutal thing. And again, I started by saying we're going to have a vaccine soon. I said it a long time ago, based on knowledge. Based on knowledge. I'm meeting with these geniuses. Based on knowledge. I said a long time ago. I said by the end of the year. I think it's going to be a lot sooner than that. Okay. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, no. They're all so plausible that... First one about the I like nobody I they don't like it because I recommend it. He doesn't like things. Yeah, he's got this chip on his shoulder that people just don't like him like things because he says they're good. You know, with good reason normally. Um, okay, as far as I can tell, it's good. I've seen many good. Okay, so. See, I think that the intelligence brief thing is a reference to the Russia thing. When they, mm, okay, okay, they say if you're heavy, so I'm in perfect shape. That sounds very Trump, very Trumpy. Okay, I'm torn between. I'm convinced by two. I'm torn between. One and three. Okay. Okay, I think number three is the one you made up. Okay, so you're convinced by number two? Yeah. You think he said that? Okay. Yeah. And number two is real. I read a lot. They like to say I don't read. I read a lot. Uh, I I comprehend extraordinarily well, uh, probably better than anybody that you've interviewed in a long time. Uh, I read a lot. I spend a lot of time with uh, at meetings. Uh, usually, it's once a day or uh, at least two or three times a week. Intelligence. Because this meetings. was apparently talking about India, right. talking about right. with the problems with China, talking about so many different elements of the world. Mm-hmm. 
the world is a very uh, angry place. If you look all over the world, and he's, I'm talking over interviewers, uh-huh. questions. So who was the who were the so, people that they've interviewed in a long time <laughs> that were less <laughs> the, the, that comprehended the, things that he yeah. yeah such that he comprehended things extraordinarily well. So this is an interview that he did with Jonathan Swan on uh, Axios on a, a HBO, and this is actually right. on. Uh, it's going to be on Monday night, so this this coming Monday. It's this was a, from a trailer uh, for oh, okay. for that episode. So yeah, he's being asked there about the Russian bounties right. and and why he didn't ask Putin about them when he talked to Putin on the phone, and it was because they were talking about other stuff, basically. Yep. But he does, he, you know, it just they didn't put it on his desk because it wasn't plausible. But he does read. He reads his briefings. He reads a lot. He knows a lot. He understands a lot. Probably more than, yeah. I'm a, I'm a very stable genius. Probably more than you you can even fathom. Yeah. Uh huh. God damn. And he's just kind of waxing. So there's that bit after intelligence briefs, where he forces him in. That's where the interviewer goes. Okay. Yeah. So these intelligence <laughs> briefs that they gave you, why didn't you read those then, you dolt? Because <laughs> well, because they're more yeah. than three words. Some of them with two syllables. So, uh, you also think number one is real? I do. Number one is... Yeah. Fake news. Oh, good work. That's very good, because it's... Yes, it's far more plausible (laughs) than number three. What am I saying? Why am I... Yeah, so why does that... So why didn't I spot it? That's very good. Yeah, so... Many good. See, it was... I was torn between... Many good, and thank goodness I'm in perfect shape. Uh-huh. See, they were the they were the false flags. So yeah, uh, he did say number three. Here he is. They say if you're if you're heavy, so I say thank goodness I'm in perfect shape. Thank goodness. But if you're if you're heavy, it's not good. It's a it's a brutal brutal thing. And again, I started by saying we're going to have a vaccine soon. I said it a long time ago, based on knowledge, based on knowledge. I'm I'm meeting with these geniuses. Based on knowledge, I said a long time ago. I said by the end of the year, I think it's going to be a lot sooner than that. (laughs) Based on knowledge, not his knowledge. knowledge. Based on knowledge, based on knowledge. (laughs) I said it a long time. Based on knowledge, you're surprised (laughs) I've got knowledge. It's Uh based on knowledge, yeah. I'm meeting with the genius. Based on knowledge, did I say based on knowledge already? I said it a long time ago. Uh, it's he's Jesus. He is the thousand-year-old man. He's Sid Caesar's <laughs> thousand-year-old man, isn't he? I, I'm meeting with these geniuses based on knowledge. I said a long time ago, based on knowledge. That by the end of the year, it's going to be a lot sooner than that. It's yeah. yeah. Billy, it's Billy Crystal, isn't he? It's just oh. so. Oh Jesus! Well, well that. done. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I know that is awful, isn't it? <laughs> Some of them, I think, is a kind of just a wishful thinking. Uh-huh. You think that can't possibly be true. Please let that be the one that Tim made up. <laughs> Please, for the sake of the world. Yeah, unfortunately, world so many, so many weeks. It's like so, so two of these he actually said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is so. It's 
it's, there's no victory to be had really <laughs> at all. Even in you know you play this game, there's just there's no win. Nobody's no, a winner really no. because we're, we're two out of the three <laughs> every week. He actually said that we're all losers. <laughs> but you didn't miss out on getting a nice recurring. Uh, decimal because your percentage now is forty three point six three six three six three six three six three. Nice, that's good. So there you go. At least you've got that. It's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called "Person, Woman, Man, Camera, TV" is not a logical fallacy. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah. But it is a T-shirt. On oh, our, Jesus. On our merch. Yeah, you can go to our T public page at fallaciousTrump.com slash T-E-E. And uh, there is a T-shirt you can buy and a mask, for that matter, that says Person oh, nice. Man yeah. Camera TV. But, oh, Christ. He's been claiming for a while now, including in his uh, interview with Chris Wallace a couple of weeks ago, that yeah. he passed this. He aced this aced cognitive he test. He yeah. did so well. The the doctors couldn't believe it. Yeah. And Chris Wallace asked him, you know, he said, this, "There's basically, they show you a picture of an elephant and say, what's that? It's yeah. it's not a hard test. And Trump was saying, no, 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 it gets harder. You know, those are just the easy ones. It gets much harder. And so this yeah. was an interview where he explained what he considered to be rather one of the hardest ones. And I said, is there some kind of a test, an acuity test? And he said, there actually is. And he named it, whatever it might be. And it was 30 or 35 questions. The first questions are very easy. The last questions are much more difficult, uh, like a memory question. It's uh, like you'll go person, woman, man, camera, TV. So they say, could you repeat that? So I said, yeah. So it's person, woman, man, camera, TV. Okay, that's very good. If you get it in order, you get extra points. If you, Okay, now he's asking you other questions, other questions, and then 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes later, they say, remember the first question? Not the first, but the 10th question? Give us that again. Can you do that again? And you go, person, woman, man, camera, TV. If you get it in order, you get extra points. They said nobody gets it in order. It's actually not that easy, but for me it was easy. And that's not an easy question. In other words, they ask it to you, they give you five names and you have to repeat them. And that's okay. If you repeat them out of order, it's okay, but, but you know, it's not as good. But then when you go back about 20, 25 minutes later and they say, go back to that question, they don't tell you this. Go back to that question and repeat them. Can you do it? And you go, person, woman, man, camera, TV. They say, that's amazing. How did you do that? I do it because I have, like, a good memory, because I'm cognitively there. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he's just... So he can remember the words, but he can't remember the name of the memory no. test. But he can only remember them because he's just named five things he can see. Just Yeah. <laughs> and, and then he had difficulty remembering uh -huh. what the ones were that he said. Oh he kind of go, person, man, woman, camera... Yeah, even the one that he's made up. Yeah. Oh, oh and God. It, uh, well, so, so this is and oh. this is fur further <laughs> proof that he's a very stable genius. Yeah, yeah. From the original one where he aced the test, 
So he's acing the test because he's got to remember things. To, nobody's doing that. Yeah, no, but I, oh God, the pride that he has in the fact that he can remember five words and the, and the, the idea Barely. that the doctors would say, how did you do that? It's yeah. like the doctors who is the sarcastic doctors again, isn't it? It's like the ones who were yeah. saying, "How do you know so much about this stuff?" That's right. Yeah. <laughs> You're, in all our career, we're trained doctors. How we, do you know this yeah, stuff? Nobody gets yeah. them in order. No. Also, the order isn't important. You don't get extra marks for getting them in order. No. No. It's, no. No. You get and, marks and the, if you can recall them all without them having to cue you. If you if they have to say because at the actual words at least on one of the this is the Montreal Cognitive Assessment Test yeah. on one of the ones that's available online the words are face velvet church daisy red so if they have to say color in order to get you to say red mm-hmm. then you um, you get less points and then yeah. after that there's a multiple choice option so they can say you know red green orange and if you can remember which one of those they said five minutes ago then you get points for that as well. If you can remember them all without them having to cue you, you get all the points. doesn't matter what order they're in. And it's also not 20 or 25 minutes later. It specifically says on the test, do a recall after five minutes. Five minutes. He can't even remember how long it was afterwards. Yeah. And it's not question 10. It's no. question one, two, three, <laughs> four. Yeah, if he's if yeah. he's taking 25, 20, 25 minutes to get from there to the <laughs> bit where they ask you to say them again, yeah. it's because he can't think of a, more than one word that starts with the letter F, which is one of the next. <laughs> it's like yeah. how many words can yeah, you think yeah. of? It's yeah. oh Christ! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I read that thing and I went and some of the words that I were fantastical and. Fallacious <laughs> and for Christ's sake, you know, in in response to that, and you know, failure and you know, fantasist and yeah, <laughs> all of those were all about that. Oh my God! And you see, the thing is, you can't ace this test. It's not a test to measure. No, no. How if you get, yeah. brilliant you if are? If you get full marks on this, it means you don't have dementia. Yeah, that's what it means. It doesn't mean you're brilliant. No. It, it means it you means haven't got some kind of a, cognitive problem. A, you're not a cause for concern. Yeah. Well, patently, he is a cause for concern because he's talking about acing this test, which has got, I mean, it's just a, it's a page. It's a page of things, most of which is taken up by big pictures of animals. It's like a worksheet yeah. they give out for kids at a restaurant to colour in <laughs> and do stuff. It's not... <laughs> It's exactly like it's not it's your a big SAT. Picture of an M, to get someone else an M and M that you have to colour in blue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh Christ! One of the yeah. questions is draw a clock at ten past eleven. Yeah, you get three points for that. Three points for that. Yeah, yeah. Where do you live? Yeah, that's right. yeah. How long does it take you to get home? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah the last, the last five, last six questions are the date, the month, the year, the day, where you are and the city you are in. Yeah. Um, and if you get all those, you get six out of... The, and it's out of 30. He said it's 30 or 35 questions. There's 30 possible points. Yeah. If you get more than 26, 26 or more, then you're considered normal, basically. So, yeah, yeah this test shows that, at best, he's normal. <laughs> and I think even uh, yeah. then, he was Performing having a good day. At his, yeah. <laughs> and you could get... 
you know, five of them wrong and still be considered yeah. normal. Also, the test was supposedly administered by Ronnie Jackson, who was the same person who said that he was, you know, physically really fit and was Perfect 239 yeah. pounds or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, coincidentally, one pound less than he needed to be before he was morbidly obese. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's, and you kind of think, why? So it's kind of backfiring because he's saying, you know, Biden should take this test and yeah. he would fail it. And it's kind of backfiring because Biden's just keeping quiet mm -hmm. about the whole thing and Trump's banging on about it in the he absence of He will not Biden. shut up about it. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's, just, it's just it's a bit like oh, the other thing that I saw the other day was a music a musicified version of his talk, his rant that he went on and on and on about, about walking down the ramp. Oh, right. And the, and the <laughs> chorus is... I ran down the ramp. <laughs> oh, this yes. will be, was it Shmo Yoho? Was it Songify This? Uh, yeah. The YouTube channel. Yeah. 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 They yeah. did one of this as well. They did so a good. they did, did a oh, person, woman, man, camera yes. TV song. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Brilliant. It is. But it's, it's the same way that he would just go on about it in order to, uh, is he thinking that he's dominating the news cycle with it? or Or he's, dispelling all our fears that he's actually mentally deficient and not fit for office by banging on about how he ran down the <laughs> ramp or aced this test. You know, it's just kind of... It's really hard to tell about it, what, does it make what it, his game plan is. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Because... Ever. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, if you're looking for a, a test of whether someone has normal cognitive function, one of them would be will you go on and on about how you ace this test mm. if you yeah. if you will that's not normal no that, that's that right. isn't that's indicative the... of someone who is is okay the 30, mentally the 31st question yeah <laughs> to you, still be you cannot ace like a this year test. later yeah yeah <sighs> it will and it will still kind of look around for things you know person i like the fact <laughs> he makes a distinction between person man woman yeah uh -huh. Camera and and TV, yeah. Interviewer, floor, my hands, <laughs> tie, hat, hat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh Lord. Yep, 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 yep. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. Trump and his administration are continuing to test the waters of just how totalitarian they can be without anyone noticing, or at least without Republicans caring. Turns out, the answer isn't arrest people without telling them why and load them into unmarked vans. But how about keeping them in a cell for a while and then including in the conditions of their release an order that they may not attend any more protests, rallies, assemblies or public gatherings in the state of Oregon? An attorney for the ACLU said this order was, quote, sort of hilariously unconstitutional. And yeah, it fucking is. Especially when the Donald has been invoking the First Amendment this week while defending the Confederate flag. In his defence, I'm not sure he knows exactly how much of a hypocrite he's being, since he's definitely never read the Constitution. Just when you thought you could breathe a sigh of relief for all those malaria and lupus sufferers because the supply of hydroxychloroquine was no longer endangered by Trump's misguided endorsement, along comes Trump's latest expert, Stella Emanuel, which, let's face it, is a name you'd invent for a character with a penchant for mixing the astral with the religious. And hey, you'd be right. 
Trump has retweeted video of Stella from the steps of the Supreme Court saying no need for masks, there's a cure, hydroxychloroquine, which of course Facebook promptly took down as misinformation, oddly the same word Trump used about it, but not before retweeting it several times. Can I just remind you he is the president of the USA and that he's doing this? And he did also call Stella impressive. Perhaps it wasn't the hydroxychloroquine that impressed him, but her belief that the government is run by lizards and the Illuminati who are making medicines using alien DNA to vaccinate you against religion. Oh, and that in dreams, demons and or witches actually are having sex with you like for real. And the magic eight ball is a psychic. Yes, we're in QAnon territory, and yet next to Trump, she sounds a completely sensible and level-headed physician. Look out, Fauci, there's a vacancy at the briefings since Donald stopped you coming. Yeah, I, d- I don't know about the Magic 8-Ball bit, but the rest of it is genuinely what she says. She says yep. that, that things like endometriosis are because you've had sex with demons in your dreams. In your dreams, yes. For real. And this is the person <laughs> who, when she did a... a a press conference all the right-wing voices were saying see hydroxychloroquine does work and and yeah yeah glossing over the other <sighs> stuff yeah 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 on the steps of the supreme court <laughs> yes so it's go amazing. yeah you see there's an expert with many more yeah, words she's definitely telling the truth words whereas fauci with all his awards and you know suspiciously experience Democrat based experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The fact that he was awarded by George W. Oh, yeah. Mask refuser and serial desk tapping Republican Congressman Louis Gohmert has contracted COVID 19. Here on Fallacious Trump, we aren't the kind of people to celebrate someone getting ill, even if oh, it's no. someone as repugnant and mind crushingly stupid as Louis. A man who so easily personifies stupid that the Urban Dictionary defines a Gohmert as any stupid, foolish, or obtuse public official. A man so stupid he is now claiming that the most likely reason he contracted COVID now is that he recently started wearing a mask and maybe some of the virus got on the mask. Fresh off his decades of spreading bullshit around the halls of Congress, he now seems determined to spread the virus as well, making sure to go into his congressional office to tell his staff in person that he tested positive. His staff, by the way, are all in the office because he was one of several GOP members who forced his staff to come into work instead of working remotely. So, just to reiterate, it's very sad that this asshole is now ill. Very sad. Very sad for him. Mm. Hope he makes a full recovery. I won't go that far. When when politicians use the phrase, I have the fullest confidence in them about a fellow politician, you know they're for the chop shortly. Similarly, Ghislaine Maxwell is in jail holding a brimming receptacle of beans about Jeffrey Epstein and underage girls and powerful people and sex trafficking, which frankly could spill any minute. When asked about her, Trump said casually, I don't know. I haven't been following it too much. Yeah, right. We've seen the moving images of you and Jeff and her and are still trying to disinfect the backs of our eyeballs. So you should be if you aren't. Or maybe it's like a TV show you don't need to follow because you were in it, literally, balls deep. And then he added equally casually, I just wish her well, frankly, which of course, as self-respecting followers of mafiosi kingpin types in the White House, we decoded straight away as keep your mouth shut, jizz, wouldn't want ill to befall you, which is also code for, yeah, look at how poor old Jeff didn't make it. 
The trial is set for next July, and I'm sure Joe Biden will be glued to the Oval Office TV along with the rest of us. Is that why Trump's toned down his hair colour so it doesn't clash with the orange jumpsuit? Remember that thing I said a few minutes ago about Trump testing the fascist waters? Of course you do, because you're cognitively there. Hell, you're just a memory genius. You could probably remember a few simple words in the right order. Anyway, back to the fascist stuff. Last month, former Trump attorney and Sopranos extra Michael Cohen was taken from his home confinement and put back in prison, and it sure seemed like it was retaliation for the fact that he was writing a tell-all book about Trump, who by this point must surely be the subject of more tell-all books than anyone in history. Well, now a federal judge has ruled that, yes, that was exactly why he was locked up again the day before Trump commuted the sentence of a felon who didn't testify against him. Since that's illegal, due to that irritatingly persistent First Amendment, Cohen will now be released back into home confinement where he'll serve out the rest of his sentence and finish his book, which is due out a month or so before the election. Mm, We'll put that on the pile with all the others. Remember that bit in the original Time Machine movie when in the future the hero punches an evil Morlock who cracks his head on the wall and then our hero jumps in the machine and presses forward by mistake and the Morlock ages and the skin falls away and begins to reveal an embittered bony substrate entwined with hatred beneath. If you pause that face 37 frames in, Kellyanne Conway, (laughs) counsellor to the president. In a breathtaking display of shameless gaslighting this week, she accused those states plagued with skyrocketing COVID-19 cases of being too hasty with reopening their economies. You know, the thing President Donald Trump desperately pushed them to do for months. Like when he threatened to take very strong action against states that didn't open quickly enough to his liking and falsely claimed that he had the total authority to do so. And like when right-wingers in Minnesota, Michigan and Virginia were protesting their governor's stay-at-home orders, often while armed with military-grade weapons. And Trump called on the demonstrators to liberate their states. So, nothing to do with Trump and his eye on the elections and being blame-free at all? No. And nothing to do with laying the ground for Trump's crusade to pressure states into reopening their schools in the fall, despite health experts warning that doing so puts students, teachers and their families at serious risk. And remain blameless. Say what you like. Kellyanne's adoration continues to imbue him with the status of a religious figure, after all. Pontius Pilate. We say a lot of negative things about Trump on the podcast, but you have to give credit where credit is due. And on Thursday, with a single tweet, he achieved something that I genuinely didn't think was possible. With three question marks in a row to show he really is just asking questions and definitely not proposing anything, he proposed delaying the 2020 election due to the inevitable fraud that would be caused by mail-in voting. And with that single tweet, Donald Trump found the legal line that Republicans are not prepared to cross. I mean... It's still only hours since the tweet as we record this podcast, so there's plenty of time for them to do a U-turn and decide that actually that makes a ton of sense. But thankfully, due to the fact that, as we discussed, Trump has never read the Constitution, he has no idea that even if he did manage to break the laws that require the election to be held, he would automatically stop being president at noon on January 20th. Episode 370 of the Opening Arguments podcast discussed whether the president would then be Nancy Pelosi or Pat Leahy, back when this was still a cute hypothetical question, but maybe it's worth a quick re-listen. In Britpol news, Boris claims a massive success on coronavirus, which is par for the course for someone who's been reprimanded by the Office of Statistical Regulation for misleading Parliament. 
whilst the north of England goes back into lockdown, Manchester, Lancashire and Yorkshire, basically the constituencies that the Tories won from Labour in the last election. The Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, sees the coronavirus not as a threat, but an opportunity though few share his vision in the Office of National Statistics, who announced that the UK has the highest number of excess deaths in the whole of Europe, which is a little bit threatening. Maybe Matt looks upon euthanasia or tsunamis or being struck by a meteor with the same opportunistic glee as the government does Brexit. We are being urged, as always, to show some grit, get the virus on the back foot, maintain a stiff upper lip, as only we self-effacing, self-entitled, self-annihilating, plucky Brits standing up to an implacable foe can. Spoiler alert, Boris and chums, this isn't a comic. There is no happy ending. People have died. Voters have been betrayed. There is no sunset for you to ride off into. But cheer up. The Tories will change the constitutional powers of government so that they can do what they like without being accountable to Parliament and can't be removed from office. And then they'll cancel the next election because of the coronavirus and pardon themselves whilst pocketing the nation's wealth. Thank God we're not in the USA, eh? So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode. You can find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump, just like our newest patrons, Mark Reich and Janet Uetta. Thanks, guys. You can connect with us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallaciousTrump. All music is by The Outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 